0: Hi, I'm Terrell Turner, the host of the Business Talk Library. And today we are talking to a master of rainmaking. Now, if you're a business owner, maybe you've heard the term rainmaking before, but I think it is a topic that you really want to understand because when you can master a lot of the great skills that this guest talks about on his podcast and the things that he helps his clients do. I'm telling you, you will love your business and the experience and the profit in your business a lot more. So stay tuned for today's episode. So without further ado, let me bring on my guest, Steve Fredson. Welcome to the show, Steve. How are you? Hey,
1: I'm great. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. It is my pleasure. Now, before we jump into the details of, you know, what you do in your business, your podcast, and uh, what rainmaking is, tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Yeah, so my background is is just an old sales dog. I I've done just about every sales job that existed through the eighties and the nineties. And one of the nice things about sales is you can kind of keep elevating your game and selling higher ticket services and products and kind of move up the food chain of sales jobs, I ended up in the franchising space selling businesses for about four years. And what that taught me was not only how to sell businesses, which is a challenging sale, but also I had to support about 50 business owners in the Midwest, helping them uh, hire, helping them fire, helping them run ads, helping them go out and sell. The piece of it that I really loved was teaching them how to sell. And taking them literally by the hand to go to strip centers and go selling, you know, the wares that they had to sell. Um, And I found a coach in early 2003 who helped me dramatically improve the way that I was doing things in less time and with less effort. And I was just blown away by the whole coaching process. And I just said, you know, how do I do this? How do I do what you do? He said, well, you pay me a lot of money and I'll show you. And so I did. (laughs) And I got into coaching and started my business Uh, Called Sales Results in 2004. And never really thinking about niching or working with attorneys, I um, focused on working with entrepreneurs, had a lot of great success helping them achieve results and helping them grow their businesses. And in the recession of 2008, I started working with lawyers for the very first time, and it absolutely took off. And I've been, I haven't looked back, I've just been working with individual attorneys for the last, I guess it's now 13 years almost exclusively. And it's been, it's been a lot of fun. I get to tell lawyers what to do every day. So that's, <laughs> and I'm not a judge, so that's all right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> also, you know, I'm very curious because, you know, we've recently made kind of a, I guess you'd say drawing a line in the sand at, at my firm of really like, you know, what types of clients really are like the ones we focus on that we really do a lot of great work for and Lawyers are a very big part of that. For you, what was it about, you know, lawyers and working with lawyers that you found to be like that made it click for you?
1: I would say the easiest way to explain it is if you can imagine a whiteboard, okay, and on that whiteboard is scribbles all over it. I mean, it's covered in in in, uh, in dry erase ink or whatever it is, okay. That's me working with an entrepreneur. That's me working with a sales professional. Okay, they've been trained, retrained, uptrained. They've been given directions so many times in so many ways that I would have to then erase all of that mess to kind of reboot them with a, with a fresh perspective and process and, and proven things lawyers they don't learn anything about growing their law practice in law school or even at the law firm level so it's a more like I'm working with people that have a clean slate they have a clean board behind them they're very open to process they're very open to following structure especially if it's been proven by other lawyers so when you work in a space for a period of time and you have success in a space you 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 basically you you can just not it's everyone's different and unique however there's a rinse and repeat to it that makes it very easy uh, for lawyers to kind of, you know, get into a groove. And I would say that's part of it. The other part of it is I'm very clear with lawyers that I'm not teaching them sales. I actually am teaching them the opposite, which I call sales-free selling, which is a methodology of getting business without ever selling, convincing, pitching, and, and, you know, trying to get, you know, jam a, a square peg in a round hole right it's a lot of 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 the soft skills that they need to learn like you know how to how to you know get out there and, and network and market effectively and do it in a way that's very giving or if it's dealing with prospective clients how to walk a buyer through a buying decision through questioning and listening and empathy, and those are also skills they have, but they haven't honed them as it relates to growing business. So that was a very long answer to your short question, but uh, there's a couple of different points about why lawyers are so specifically great for me.
0: Awesome, you know, and I love that because it's something that I've seen even myself with, you know, the focusing more less on trying to be the hard salesperson and really helping people kind of navigate that buying process. So with a, you know, a, a deeper sales background, how was, it, I mean, for you to kind of transition to that mindset yourself? I mean, or, or were you trained to be more of the giver sales list person from the beginning? Or was that yeah. something you had to like unlearn yourself? I mean, I was, I mean, I was always, I've always been a nice
1: guy. Like I've never been a hard sell guy, but every manager I had maybe in the first 10 years of my sales career, don't take no for an answer, get the deal done. When, you know, what is your, you know, what are you going to close this month, Fretson? Like it was a lot of very high pressure situations that I really never felt comfortable with. And um, if it ever got to the point of like challenging my integrity, I never crossed that line However, it was it made things very tough because I was dealing with maybe a salesman to my left or my right who had no integrity, and they were you know they were locking up a lot more deals. <laughs> the reality is that that old traditional model of selling and the way that people are still selling today, where it's a lot of of of, of presenting and pitching and free consulting and then hoping that someone's going to like what they hear and want to come on board, that ends up wasting a tremendous amount of time. We end up just Giving and giving and giving, and then hoping that something good is going to come from it, and it's absolutely counterintuitive and counterproductive to what I'm teaching. I want to walk in. I want to ask questions. I want to qualify. I want to know what someone's uh, interest and commitment and needs are in a in a level where I know they're moving forward and they've they've communicated that to me. So it's a difference between hoping and knowing. And that happens through a good process, especially when the process involves less talking and more questioning and listening.
0: Awesome. I love it. I love it because that is something that I think a lot of people are, you know, a little more open to, it seems, as business owners with, you know, what's going on in the the, the social media spaces where people can put out so much content. And I, I see a lot of people doing it. But one of the things that I do see missing what you talked about was just, you Know being a strategic about it, like said, where you're not just you know just hoping. So as you start working with, you know, some of your clients, you know, kind of do a lot of them tend to have kind of like this aha moment when they start to see that hey, this isn't just the hope, there's there's actually some strategy behind this.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've got a, a labor and employment attorney down in Florida who just recently graduated from working with, you know, being in one of my programs. And she started using the systems that I was teaching her fairly soon, you know, after we started together and she's like, this is amazing. Like I, I haven't presented to anybody. I haven't had to say much about my background. I haven't had to say much about why my deliverables are better than other people's. I haven't had to, you know, worry about competing with other big firm lawyers because she's walking a buyer through a buying process. And in doing so, they're, they're buying into her, they're, they're believing in her because of the way she's managing that meeting, because of the way she's running it and the question she's asking, the bedside manner, if you will. And so there's, there's no need for her to get into any kind of long, drawn out presentation or pitch. People are wrapping up the meeting with her saying, so what do we do next? And she tells them what she charges <laughs> and they say, sure. And that's the deal. And she's just rinsing and repeating on this and blowing away her numbers. And now she's looking to expand her her practice further. So I'm not saying it's magic. I'm saying that when you have an approach that is so sound and proven and non-salesy, that good things just happen. Uh, and 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 by the way, the worst thing that'll happen um, is someone you know lying to you and 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 throwing a bunch of BS your way. But mostly, what you're going to find is people either want to move forward or you understand why it's a no. And you can move them to a no because it isn't a fit or because they don't have the money or because of whatever, but you know what's going on to an earlier point versus wondering, hoping, guessing, and then being ghosted, which is what most buyers do when they're just, they're not going to pull the trigger, but they don't also want to give you the bad news.
0: Nope. I I agree. I mean, I would say in being a business owner myself of going through that, I will say is. It has been a complete you know change of mindset and just an experience. I mean, when you, like said, you can be happy about you know walking someone through the buying process, it's almost like you can sleep better at night knowing that that's what you're doing.
1: yeah, and again, the the lawyers eat eat up, gobble up what I'm giving them because it really they don't realize how well it flows with their personality, how well it flows with with their instincts, which are not to ever be salesy. No one goes into law. And says, "Geez, I can't wait till I get my law degree so I can go start selling legal services." I mean, if you can find me someone that says that, I'd be shocked. It just doesn't happen. It comes later on when there's an epiphany that they have that when they realize that if they don't have their own clients, if they're not bringing in their own business, they're really at the at the you know at the bidding of their partners. They're at the bidding of who they're getting work from and how they're getting their billable hours. And that that's not that might be sustainable for a period of time. But it's not really a great way to grow uh, um, your law pr- or not a great way to experience being a lawyer with freedom, independence and control, which is, I think, what a lot of lawyers are looking for, but maybe just haven't been able to articulate how to get there or what it takes to get there.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that sounds very interesting because in talking to a lot of lawyers that, you know, And it's very similar to you know myself as being an accountant, where you know when you start off, your partners are the ones that are feeding you the work. But as you start to get closer to partner, or as you kind of start your own firm, your own practice, like a lot of people do, go through that culture shock of I have to sell now. Like I have to bring in business. Like how do I? Like no one trained me for this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've had two meetings just this morning. One with an individual who's, you know, probably in his late fifties and, you know, he's never, you know, he's just been lucky that he's gotten business. He goes, look, I can't, I can't rely on luck. You know, I've got a litigation matter that's wrapping up. My book's going to go from here to here. uh, And I need to be more consistent in how I bring in business because, you know, however long I'm going to do this, I want to make sure that I'm bringing it in and feeding the troops and, and, and making sure that my, you know, that my book is sustainable, you know? And then another one today with a guy who just made partner and he's, he saw a post I did where I said, if you're made partner, you may want to consider a couple things. And it instigated him to think of me and call me, which is great because he's at this perfect place in his career in probably his mid to late thirties where he's got many, many years ahead of him. Why wing it or figure it out on his own when you can talk, you know, work with someone like me, who's got all the answers. We just have to partner together to get it to get, you know, him to the next level.
0: Mm -hmm. Awesome. Now, one of the things we talked about, you know, before we, you know, we, I guess you'd say went live on camera or hit the record button was, you know, a lot of people saw either a great year in 2021 or they saw like a not so good year. And now 2022 has arrived. And so people are trying to figure out, all right, how do i either repeat what i did or you know how do we massively change it around is kind of what i've been seeing what's been some of the sentiments you've seen from people as we're kind of starting off 2022
1: i've seen a mixed bag of uh of of people that are starting to identify that the culture of their law firm that they're in isn't ideal um i think things like covid have changed the landscape and um, People are realizing they don't enjoy the work they're doing or that they are going to find it very difficult to get their own book of business where they are in uh, their hours are dictated by others. And so there's been a massive shift from people also realizing that it's never been easier to go solo or to start a small firm. And, you know, if you've got a small book and you can bring it and get most of that profit to yourself instead of it paying the overhead of a big firm or mid-market firm, there's benefits there. Or people that are in a firm are realizing, you know, hey, this is a pretty good place. I better start leveraging it and and starting to get more business brought in, and you know, feeding the you know cross marketing, getting more business brought in, so I can feed other people um, in addition to myself. So I think it's just it's just been a big, you know, this twenty twenty one was was a was a year where people uh, need to realize how they're going to redefine themselves in twenty twenty two or. Are they going to be able to replicate what they did in 2021? Because it was their best year. And as we know in business, you're only as good as your last year. And if you have a million dollar book in 2021, but a lot of it's going away because a litigation matter settles, or because your your clients aren't all, you know, repeat or they're going with with other firms, yeah, you're going to have to keep building. It's just it's a never ending process. And, and we just have to, we just have to keep sharpening the saw and getting better.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So now what I want to talk about a couple of things that I mean that that I've seen you do that is really helping, you know, helping those lawyers, you know, keep sharpening that saw and keeping that that saw sharp. And it's your podcast where you have some very engaging interviews there. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what can people expect when they listen to an episode?
1: Yeah, I mean, I have a, a passion for my podcast. I never realized that I I would. I've I've I'm coming up on 2 years um uh, pretty soon. I've done over 150 episodes and I'm I've got more downloads than I ever thought I would get. But I think it's because of two factors. One is um I'm bringing on guests that are are not self-promoting so much as they are educating. And the people that come to my podcast, be that lawyer, They're there for a reason. It's not because they want the same, you know, boring law firm or practice they had last year. They want to continue to make improvements. And the guests that I bring on are very strategic in how they give tips and ideas and things that can actually help somebody move the needle. Like it's not all a 20,000 foot, you know, conversation. We get into the weeds. The second part of it, and this is much like you and I are having this great dialogue I want it to feel like like someone's in a car listening to me in my, in my interview, and they're feeling like they're just, they're just a, a fly on the wall while two people are having a beer. Maybe they even feel like they're having a beer with us because the conversation is so comfortable, and it's just two friends talking. It's not a stiff, you know, tell me about, you know, it's not, it's not just a Q&A that's stiff. We, we want to have some laughs and some fun and have it be energ- you know, energizing people, and I think that's really what makes the, you know, any podcast interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome! I love it, and you know, I think that that is so true. Because one of the things I was telling a friend of mine before is, was "Like, you know, what I realized when I was going through my kind of corporate finance career is where I got the most value wasn't in the classroom or the formal meetings. It was, you know, those times I remember sitting in a room with the the CEO of one of the General Electric divisions, and he was talking about, you know what he was telling his son as his son was preparing to go to college. Like, those are the type of conversations just, you know, almost like, you know, two friends sitting, talking about something in an informal way that really, you know, created so much value. And it's why, like, I've, I've listened to several of your, your episodes and I've really enjoyed, like I said, the way that you bring you know, the information, and just the way the conversation flows. So keep up the great work
1: there. Yeah, thank you, I appreciate it. It's, it's again, it's a lot of fun. Like I don't, I mean, I enjoy working with my clients and and, and finding new business and being creative on the marketing, and that's all great. Uh, and the podcast is is, I just, every time I know I'm gonna be doing an interview, I get excited right beforehand <laughs> because I know, like here's an opportunity to really be creative in a conversation. In interview. And I get why Oprah and Howard Stern and, 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 you know, different people that interview, you know, enjoy it so much because it is, it's just, it's fun to discover something new about somebody or some tip that they're going to give that I never thought I would hear. And I know it's going to resonate with my audience. So that's just, it's just really cool.
0: Awesome. I love it. I love it. So if people are interested in checking out, you know, be that lawyer, the podcast, they're interested in checking out your programs, you know, where can they find you online?
1: Yeah. So Be That Lawyer is available on all the major podcast platforms, Apple, et cetera. Uh, a great way to get to know me and what I do. And I don't do a ton of things. I really only do a couple things as it relates to how I help attorneys, but it's all on my website. So if you go to Fretzen, F-R-E-T-Z-I-N, there it is, .com, and you'll start to kind of get a little bit there's the podcast and oh here's my blog and i've been writing for the chicago daily law bulletin for over 6 years and there's all these great articles and you know i'm i'm comparing the beatles to you know how you can identify relationships with your prospects or i'm talking about a fishing expedition with my son and how that relates to getting new business like i always try to get creative with my writing and my videos and things that i think will be that will resonate with the lawyers that that spend time on my site
0: Nice. Nice. I love it. I love it. Well, before we wrap up, I have uh, two questions. Um, sure. First one is you're in Chicago. I'm going, I'm actually going to Chicago to visit a friend in about two weeks. Okay. Where should I go eat if I want, well, I'll let you decide. What's one of your favorite restaurants?
1: The problem is, is that I've been, I've been cold on Chicago for a while because I live in the suburbs, but I will tell you that there's a, this is my son's go-to birthday. And I know we're going to hit it up in a few weeks too, but it's a place called Joe's stone crab. Um, and it's part of a restaurant group, but it's, it's very, it's fancy. It's expensive. Yes. But here's something most people don't know some of the best fried chicken I've ever had. So here's a steakhouse with seafood. And then they've got this award-winning fried chicken that most people don't know about, but I do. And I'm a I'm a like an aficionado of it, so I I always order that. And yeah, I get some crab claws, and I'm going to get you know I'll, I'll I'll share a steak with my wife to get a bite of it. But that's a that's a go to staple for us is Joe's Stone in uh, in uh, the city.
0: Okay, awesome. I love. I got it. one. Well, I got
1: one more. Now, if you're thin okay. crust, if you're a thin crust pizza guy, and you're willing to come out to my neighborhood, believe it or not, the best thin crust pizza maybe in the world. And I say this and then people come and they either love it or they don't. But <laughs> it's called Barnaby's. It's in Northbrook, which is about 20 minutes uh north of the city. And if you come out my way and you want that pizza, I'm I'm treating you.
0: Okay. I'll awesome, take because I'm I'm
1: always up for it. Like anytime I get, <laughs> I'm up
0: for it. <laughs> so I'll give you there's awesome.
1: two answers to one question.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, the final question is, you know, as you think about your experience and you think about your journey and the things that You know, you've done in your career and your business and the clients that you've helped. You know, what's two pieces of wisdom that you would leave with other business owners? And it could be something you've already said that you want to reiterate, or it can be two completely new points.
1: No, I'm going to go with some new points. So, number one is focus. I've done a lot of things. There was a time I had four businesses running at the same time, and I was doing great with them until I wasn't. Because my focus wasn't not only on one business, it was on four. But additionally, um, I, I, I really, you know, I'm someone who likes the shiny penny. I like the new and exciting, the new thing. And I'm just telling you, it, it's fine to explore and it's fine to make decisions like that. But my my experience is if you find something that you love and that you love to do for others, focus and specialize and and, and, and make yourself known in that space. And I think you'll find that your your the reward far exceeds the risk or the the risk that you're giving up by not taking that shiny penny. So that's one. And the other is, I think you just you have to continue to think strategically about how you're going to get business from year to year. I don't think it's a wing it situation. Um, I think having a good plan helps knowing what you're doing every day and how you're going after whether it's low hanging fruit. But I'm all about not trying to do a million things. Um, Pick a couple things that you're going to do really well and that are easier than cold calling, for example, or easier than, you know, blind networking. Most people are, I talked to lawyers today, the two that I talked to today, they're not focusing on leveraging their happy clients. They're they're not thinking about the money that's right in front of them. I I tell them it's like there's a pile of money right in front of you and all you've been doing is walking around it for years. Let's walk into it because that's you know an easier way to spend your time and get that new business in the door without having to overwork, you know yourself. So that those are two pieces I'd say, uh, both I guess involve w- uh, focus, but uh, but in different ways.
0: Awesome! I love it! I love it! Well, Steve, thank you for being an amazing guest on the show. It's been a pleasure having you. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you, Terrell. You just checked out the Law & Finance Show, where we bring you great insightful interviews that talk about the business and the financial side of managing a law firm. So subscribe to the show and check out more of the great interviews.